think it's normal sometimes when we see anger, we think of anger as like a wrong or bad emotion sometimes, which I often teach parents of anger is a really healthy emotion when we can understand it that way and express it that way. And we can learn a lot from the emotions we feel. And anger, the root of it often means the learning of the emotion of anger is that something's not okay. Could be I'm hurting in some way and I don't know how else to express it. And a boundary has been crossed. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment helping other people do the same. How are you doing today, folks? A lot of people have been emailing me saying, what the heck does AFAF mean? So I've been posting on Instagram a lot, on Strive Method Instagram, AFAF. What does it mean? It means alcohol-free as fuck, okay? I never liked, I never digged the word sobriety. I don't know why. It's never kind of like, never landed with me, I guess. Addiction, alcohol addiction, I don't really like that term either. So I, I used to say, I, I just said it at this intro, right? I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol, right? Like I'm someone who doesn't drink alcohol. And it's a mouthful when you write in copy and you write in blog posts and you communicate and telling people. So um, I've narrowed it down to AFAF, alcohol free as fuck. And um, that's how I feel. So that's that's how I feel. That's the new Strive way. So if you want to know what AFAF stands for, that is what it stands for, okay? I uh, hope everybody's doing really well. I'm in Cardiff, South Wales at the moment, and really good to see the sunshine coming out. So all great stuff there. Got a new electric, electric car uh, this week, a little Renault. So really excited about that. And we just got accepted... Uh, to rent a new three-bedroom house for a year, just around the corner here. I live in a lovely, live in a lovely area called Poncana. If you want to come and stalk me, and uh, we just got a, a free-bed house. So the universe is showing up and providing in bundles at the moment. So super excited time. I um, just want to have a shout out a little minute here to Susie. Um, if you're listening to this, I love you dearly, uh, Susie. Is the first striver uh, to finish all three uh, phases of the checking in quest. So we have a quest at Strive where you can either take on the tough, the tougher, or the toughest challenge. Tough is that you check in consecutively in our Discord channel for 30 days. Tougher is 60 days, and then the toughest is 90 days. So for the past 90 days, Susie has opened up her laptop or her mobile phone and she has shared her thoughts. She has shared her feelings. She has shared her challenges. She has shared her victories. She's shared her life with us. And in the in the the time that she's done that, and um, it's really important to understand that she is not only helping herself grow and evolve, but she's inspiring others around her to follow. And and that's what community is all about. And if we believe that the um what it the what is the issue at the crux of all addiction and if we believe that that is um a lack of connection then finding connection is really important this is a reminder alexa stop god my alarm's going off here and a good component of that uh, connection is community okay and there is no community unless somebody goes first 
And in this space that we're in, where we are uh, struggling with our relationship with alcohol, um, I find that people find it very difficult to go first. So when we have um, somebody like Susie, who was in that space at one time, find the power within her, her innate wisdom to go ahead and go first, it is super important for the community. So find people like Susie and surround yourself with people like Susie because you're going to need them. All right. You're going to need them. So she has uh, done that. She's signed. She checked in for 90 days. Think she's currently over a hundred days. So she it's just now a part of her life. It's part of her daily routine. It's a good, healthy, positive habit that has taken the space of a habit that was once what we would say, quote unquote, unhealthy or bad. Right. Um, so that's really important. And what she, what happens when you, when you achieve these goals is she receives points. So in Strive, we work towards uh, giving you points in different areas of your life, such as uh, in this case, uh, we're checking in. We gave her, uh, she earned 60 courage points. Now, here's the, here's the thing. If you look at uh, Susie's uh, quiz scorecard, she writes, she rates really highly in courage and confidence. Right. And I was saying to the group this week, she's done quests that improve her courage and confidence. She's got, she's done them. She's smashed them. She's got the points for them. But most importantly, she's from the UK and she's currently in New Zealand on a business trip, which absolutely terrified the pants off her to start out with. And she's smashing it over there because her courage and her confidence is really high. And I pointed out to her, I said, it's no coincidence that you did these quests. You took them on, you did them, you smashed them. And now actually, You've embodied that courage and confidence, which is what I wanted with this revised uh, version of the Strive Method. I, I didn't want people to just rationally, intellectually understand things. I really wanted them to embody this. And Susie said, yeah, and I'm feeling really connected with everybody out here. Well, of course you are, right? If you're going to grow your courage and you're going to grow your confidence and you're going to embody more confidence and more courage, you're going to be able to connect more because you're going to be more confident and you're going to have more courage. So well done, Susie. And um, if you would like to join her and, uh, and and learn from her and be in her orbit, and why not? You know, there's a, when I was in my gambling days, my gambling addiction days, uh, where we used to play blackjack, uh, there was this thing you would do where if somebody was winning all the money on blackjack, you would just ride them, right? You would just like put your money on whatever they were betting on. <laughs> so because they had the luck at the time. Similar here, Susie's on a roll. She's the person at the blackjack table winning all the money at the moment. So if you want to come and get into orbit and and and, and benefit from that energy, uh, then email me at thestrivemethod at gmail.com and we'll let you know how to sign up. Okay. The other thing with Susie, of course, she's a mother. And um, I've been watching her growth as a mother while she's been um, transitioning to being someone who's alcohol-free as fuck. And her self-awareness around her... Um, role as a mother has accelerated tremendously. Okay. Uh, and it's amazing to see as she becomes alcohol free as fuck, how that impacts her relationship with her daughter and how her daughter will benefit from that. Okay. And parenting is a really big deal when it comes to our battle with the booze, really big deal. And this is why I invited Amanda Evans into our community, our Strive community this week. And, and two things I want to say about this. It is my uh, plan to bring more and more guests like Amanda into the Strive uh, community uh, to provide this sort of value for our community, right? It is not my plan to release all of them 
and the podcast world. Okay. So if you really enjoy uh, this podcast uh, episode with Amanda today, then I strongly suggest you consider signing up for a Strive Method subscription because you will then get exclusive access to high caliber quality of coaches like Amanda that are going to raise your game in different areas. This is what Strive, where Strive really stands out. Yeah. Is you, you are wanting to be alcohol free as fuck. And here we are uh, teaching you how to be a better parent. <laughs> this is what it's all about. This is the uh, holistic action that we have here at Strive, right? So that is really important to get into that. The other thing that I wanted to say is uh, Amanda Evans. Um, you can find her at www.mindbodysoulmiracles.com, mindbodysoulmiracles.com. You'll see all the her links in the show notes. She is an outstanding, incredible coach. Like I've worked with her personally, and she is um, she's done some genius work with me in the shadow realm and inner child work. Right, amazing, amazing coach. So I highly recommend it. And she has a digital program coming out on how to parent uh, sensitive children. Okay, so just check out the links that I'm going to provide in the show notes here um, and book a connection call with her. Okay, book a connection call with her. You'll find the details on her site. Again, all the links in the show notes. Spend some time in her energy. And you're going to do that anyway in the next hour and go do work with her. Okay, really important. So Amanda Evans, she is a master life coach meets Mary Poppins, family play-based somatic healer and a best-selling author and speaker. She coaches conscious and caring parents who are triggered by their children's tantrums, big emotions, and disempowering labels, diagnosis, to parent them with greater ease, connection, presence, and play. Amanda is a dog mama and a lover of little humans and the little moments that really are for them really big ones. Okay. So she... Uh, turned up at Strive today, and uh, uh, Polly and Paul and Victoria uh, came on and asked her and myself and asked her some questions um, around parenting and the struggles we have with our beautiful little humans. And this is what she had to say. If you really enjoy this, like I said, check out the show notes and support Susie if you want to join Strive. Ditto for myself. And if you really enjoyed this episode and you think it could be of value with somebody else, please send it on to them and let them know about the work we're doing here at Strive Method and the work that Amanda's doing um, in her role as her Master Life Coach stroke, Mary Poppins, all right? Much love. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, so the floor's yours, Amanda. Okay, thank you so much, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm new to you guys. I know you all know each other. It's so nice to be here. My name's Amanda Evans. A little bit about me. Um, Lee and I were both in the same master life coach program when we became certified master life coaches. And I do things a little bit differently because I call myself a master life coach meets Mary Poppins. <laughs> and that's because play is a huge part of how I work with families and I coach parents, but I also support children through play-based healing. And when I think about how I work with families and how oftentimes it's supportive for families, because even just today we can see it's like one parent, one place taking care of the kids, one parent doing something, something else. And you're all just doing your best to share the roles and do things to help your family function as a whole is I always look at families as a whole. So when any family comes to meet me, connect with me or work with me, I think of it like if you've seen the movie, Mary Poppins, almost like the door opens, Mary Poppins appears. She has her toolbox of like, here's the things we can do. 
But sometimes it's about looking at the family as a whole and saying, who needs the most support at this time? And how can we create something that's going to help everybody thrive? So I often think about sometimes it's the child having a safe space, someone outside of mom and dad to feel seen, to learn about their emotions, all that good stuff. And sometimes it's just as a parent, you're holding so much. Sometimes you need someone to hold space for you and have that safe space to talk through things, to see things in a different, a new way. So that's a little bit about me. And I got into this work because I had a personal healing journey where I grew up as a really sensitive kid. And then in my twenties, I had a brain injury, which really was super, super challenging. And it brought me deeper on my healing journey and my path of realizing that play and finding what lights me up and what actually brings my heart happiness was kind of what got me into this work, but it got me into feeling more like me on a soul level and who I'm actually here to be as opposed to a very stressed out empathic person. (laughs) So that's a little bit about me and my journey and what I do. Okay. Thank you for that, Amanda. So we'll open it up to questions. I got some questions here. Uh, Susie sent me some questions as well. Awesome. Um, But Polly, Paul, One of you go first. It doesn't matter who. Uh, Polly, you got something you would like to ask Amanda? And then we'll go for Paul. I've got so much I want to ask Amanda. (laughs) I I love the excitement. (laughs) I'm just thinking about what experience I've had recently. So I have two kids. One of them is watching my dad next door. And um, I am a single parent. And we've just been on holiday. We've had like three weeks of holiday, of which I've had them the whole time. I get really tired and like I don't feel that I carve enough time out for myself because I just keep on trying to keep my kids happy. But I, yeah, I mean, how do you balance that better? That's that's a really beautiful question because you have such awareness already. So I just want to validate you first of like, you have awareness of a, it's a, it's a lot to be a single parent and you're juggling all the roles. So I just want you to feel seen in that and how, beautiful it is that you're showing up for it all. And there's awareness around you wanting, and I love the way you worded it, you wanting to have more energy because you want to be there and you want to be able to do that and also have the time for you. So there's a couple, couple things we can look at here. One is I find a lot of parents are very aware of the times of the day where they're struggling with their energy the most, where it's like, I'm most tired between the window of this time and this time. I would ask, do you know what that is for you? And like, what triggers the feeling really tired? Uh, Okay. In general, it is in the evenings. Yes. I was going to guess that. It normally is. (laughs) It's around kind of like story time, bedtime. Just sometimes I'm just really not very into it. And the kids pick up on that too. Yeah, totally. Kids, kids can feel it all, right? They, they know we, in families, we tend to mirror each other and, and know how we're all feeling. So I'm curious. This is where we're going to dig in a little bit more because sometimes our energy or where we feel the most tired, sometimes it is because we've been doing it a lot, doing a lot of things. Sometimes it's almost like we have certain thoughts at periods of the day that then we get into a loop and then we get more tired. And sometimes tiredness comes from not feeling emotions that we've kind of kept inside because we've been holding space for everyone else's emotions. And that's something that I'm curious about. So we've got that angle where we can look at the emotions or when you're feeling tired, do you notice that you think about certain things a lot? 
And that's what's kind of making you feel more tired. I'd love to start there. And then I've got another angle we can go after. I've just got, okay. What I think is yeah. I, I think that I really want to just go and lie down and go to bed. Yeah. How long is story time going to take? <laughs> but I want to do it well, but I want to do it yeah. efficiently and I want it to be fun. And then if it doesn't look like it's going well, yeah. I feel more tired. Mm, I, I hear you. And that makes so much sense, right? Like we get into that story in our mind of like, oh no, like I want it to be great. Oh no, I'm going to feel more tired. And I think that's really normal. And I would be curious if you can bring compassion to your mind and the stories in those moments of almost like interrupt it with compassion of like, okay, I hear that you want to go into that story. I forgive you. I know you want to show up to this. And then ask yourself, how can I make this more fun? I think this sounds like a really good a, a good plan moving forward. Yeah. yeah, because your intention that is so beautiful and clear is you want it to be a great story time. And if you can have more fun with it first, then your children are going to have more fun with it. And is there something that you need to do before you go to story time that can give yourself almost like a micro moment to yourself? Because yeah. it could be just two minutes of something that brings you joy or calm or peace. And your your children are going to learn that mom needs that before we have story time. And then we're all going to feel a lot better. I think that would help. I think also some kind of um, um, reading some kind of books, which are which are really interesting and would work for I love that. children. Like yeah. We've finished all the Roald Dahl books, but we can okay. again. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What, what would bring you joy? Are there stories that you would love to read that you think your children would love them. and you? Yeah, I would love to read them this series of books by this author called Willard Price, which I loved as a child. Okay. Oh, I love that. I love that it's something that's also going to be like tender and happy to your heart and to get to share it with them. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for that, Amanda. Paul, do you, we'll we'll, we'll rotate. Paul, what what uh, what question would you like to ask Amanda? So first, um, the my wife has joined. She's slight slight technical difficulty, so she can hear and see. Awesome. Um, so, uh, uh, but she can't she, speak. Can you she, speak, Nick? If she, if she needs to use the chat, she can. Or if she can use you, if she can put her microphone on, that's great too. Because I want both of your voices to be heard. But I also yeah. know you probably both know what your questions are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. So she said she'd sort of. Um, chip in as and when so um uh similar to polly actually i have a long list of questions but one of the things that my wife and i have been struggling with a lot is we've got um two um, beautiful daughters uh who are 10 and 8 um very very different polar opposites in terms of personalities and our our youngest who's just turned eight she she struggles i think to express herself um and she becomes very angry very quickly so if she gets frustrated or if we try and say tell her off in a certain situation she can get very very angry and she'll shout and scream and throw things and smash her room up and things like that so so yeah I don't know and we my my wife and I have very different personalities and it's interesting is that I can parent our eldest very well and we got on very well and I manage her perfectly and my youngest we clash and my wife's the opposite so I guess but but we do both we go over into the dining room uh but we do 
that actually was my youngest, which I think is why my <laughs> wife is uh, currently muting. Um, so I think, um, yeah, we were just wondering what maybe we can do to help manage that anger. And I guess it's maybe, yeah. you know, a lack of an ability to be able to understand how she's feeling and then expressing herself and it just comes out in anger. But mm-hmm. so her and I clash because we kind of meet sort of, not anger with anger, but anger with mm-hmm. then I go down that very stereotypical route of taking things away from her and telling yeah. her she's not going to get this or get that, which inevitably just leads to more eruptions as where my wife's very passive and very good at dealing with her. And she's often say mm-hmm. to me, like, you need to deal with her differently. And it's how you deal with. So my eldest is called Luna. My youngest is mm-hmm. Kitty. So how you deal with Luna is very different to Kitty. So but yeah. I, do, I don't know, just some maybe guidance or help around yeah. how we might be able to better manage her anger and be there for her and help mm-hmm. her through that. I first just want to say it's so beautiful the way you just shared all of that because you have such also awareness around this. And it sounds like you and your wife have really been talking about how to handle that and how to honor their unique personalities and what they need, which is so beautiful. And I love your willingness to be like, this is how I meet her in the anger. I don't think it's really working, but it's (laughs) what we're doing right now. And to want to hear something new. There's a couple questions I'm going to ask first. um, But I also want you to know, I get this a lot. Like a lot of people actually come to me to work with me because they're struggling with their child's anger, outbursts, violence, that kind of stuff. And at the primary root of it, they're not feeling safe for some reason in those moments. And there's something that they need. And I think it's normal sometimes when we see anger, we think of anger as like a wrong or bad emotion sometimes, which I often teach parents of anger is a really healthy emotion when we can understand it that way and express it that way. And we can learn a lot from the emotions we feel and anger. The root of it often means the learning of the emotion of anger is that something's not okay. Could be I'm hurting in some way and I don't know how else to express it. And a boundary has been crossed. I'm curious to know more about your daughter in general, um, because I think that will help us learn what's going on for her, what her triggers might be or what might be the root of why the anger is coming out the way it is. Mm -hmm. But I first want to know, which of your children are you most like? I don't know. Vic, do you want to unmute and comment? Uh, You're like Kitty. (laughs) And is that your youngest that we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I am curious, is your wife, is she most like your eldest daughter? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't say she was particularly like one or the other. Okay. Um, The reason I say this, and that's also probably true too, is sometimes it can be hardest to parent the child who triggers you the most like you, or they're triggering the parts of your childhood that might've been challenging, where either you experience difficulty with a certain emotion or challenge, or where you didn't get what you needed. So it can be hard to give it to your child in the moments that they need it. And I'm just saying that because we want to be aware of what we find hard and why, because there's healing and understanding that. So I'm curious first, and you also don't need to dive into this here if it's not comfortable, because I know that anger and childhood stuff, that's a vulnerable thing. 
But what was your experience with your own anger as a child? Like when you were angry, how did your parents respond? Or did you let yourself be angry as a child? I think in general, I was like, okay being angry. So yeah. okay. it wasn't a, a suppressed feeling. Yeah. Um, I always found my parents were supportive. I I remember I, I do remember a few instances with my brother mm-hmm. who I've had quite a sort of turbulent relationship with. Um, I remember a number of incidents getting very angry with him. Okay more so than really anything else that happened within my family, but really, really unbelievably angry with him. And I remember like going to my bedroom as a child and just being like, fuck him. And like, just, I hate this guy. And like, I'm never going to speak to him again. And like raging inside. Yeah. And he was very difficult and caused my parents a lot of problems. So I think maybe just thinking out loud right now, as you asked me the question, I've not thought about it too much before. Maybe there was a degree of me suppressing my anger Mm -hmm. because I could see that my parents were struggling with him. So I didn't then want to put that onto them. Yeah, Yeah. I hear that. And that, that actually makes a lot of sense. So there was a part of you that was aware of the other dynamics going on in your family. That was like, this is the amount of anger that I'm allowed. And there's another layer to this that I think you understanding this is going to help you see what's going on for your daughter in the moments. So we can use this example if this feels comfortable for you in that moment, because this is what came up for you in that moment that you were really angry at your brother. Do you remember why you were angry or what else was going on there? Because sometimes with emotions, there's layers. Like once we feel the anger, then we get to the sadness. Once we get to the sadness, we understand the need that we had. Was there something else going on? Were you angry or were you hurt? Or was there any other emotion that was present? But I mean, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to remember. I, mean, I guess anger definitely was the foremost feeling, but okay. then hurt as well. Definitely yeah. hurt because, you know, horrible things were said and exchanges yeah. of you're this and you're that, etc. So, yeah, I guess... I, I guess actually maybe it was her first that turned into anger as a second emotion. Mm. So there's something beautiful about like a being able to access that there's more than one emotion going on. And sometimes with children and it's, it's with our own healing too. We need to ride the wave of the emotion until we get to what actually is the need because in every challenging behavior, there's a need that's not being met. Or an emotion that's the actual core emotion that needs to be heard and just heard. So what I'm going to give you as more of a tool of like what you can say in those moments and just allow is normally when we feel angry and our most like explosive or like ugly emotion as we might see it, that's when we need love the most. And that can be when it's hardest to A, receive it and hardest to give it. Mm. Um, and, and it's good to reflect on your own experiences. Like I'm aware that I was the opposite. So I was the child who totally suppressed my anger and felt like I had to be like the good girl, the kind person, always do the right thing to the point where I gave myself timeouts as a child. <laughs> like I'm like the total extreme, <laughs> but 
it was so healing and healthy to learn to express and allow people to like hold space for and see me in the anger that never got to be felt as a child. And that's the healing of letting that stuff be witnessed, but then being understood of why are you so angry? What's happening or what do you need that we're not understanding? And what I want you both to be in the practice of is when she's really angry to actually keep saying the words, I hear you. I hear that you're feeling really angry right now. And that's okay. I'm going to be here with you while you're feeling angry. Is there something that you need? So interestingly, so like I said, to start off with my instant reaction to that is to start threatening her with this, this, and this. And actually my wife will always be the first to say like, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work with her. And actually there has been a few instances when I've been able to not react in that way. Um, And sometimes I'll just lay with her in her bed and give Mm -hmm. her a cuddle. Uh, don't say beautiful yeah actually she will calm down very quickly or just talk to her calmly like remove the threats and remove the whatever you know things and just you know sometimes it we sort of like just give her five minutes to have her own space in her Mm -hmm. room and go back in and just be kind and gentle and talk to her softly and give her a cuddle or something and actually that's you know, how we have had our most success. That um, sounds beautiful. With, with yeah. managing that, actually. But, um, yeah, so that what you say does work. Yeah, so you, but you would sort of ask her, just say, look, I hear, yeah. you know, I understand what you're saying. Because like you said, it's, again, maybe, and, and I'm sure you'll know, um, more, but like you said, maybe anger isn't really what's really going on. It's yeah. And sometimes, There's sometimes it is, but it's, I'm angry because I yes. have this need and it's not being met or I'm not able to express it in a healthy way. So that's yes. really helpful to know. And sometimes it is, I'm feeling angry because this happened and I'm really hurt and I'm really sad. So I'm feeling the anger, but I actually need to feel the sad and the hurt. And once I feel that, then I'm going to be able to have what I need. Yeah. And yeah, I want to speak to something. And I also want to hear what you were about to say, because you already (laughs) just gave a beautiful example of the times where you're doing something that really works well. And I want to celebrate that because it sounds like between you and your wife, you're finding out what works for her in those moments. And it sounds like space and cuddles are really helpful. And there's a reason behind it. So Normally when we're angry, sometimes we feel like we can't be loved or we need to separate from people. And that's actually not great for those moments unless space is what helps her to regulate her nervous system and feel safer to then connect. So what happens in the body is when there's a lot of emotion coming up, it needs to come out and be expressed, but also in a way that is safe. And it's great to be able to connect. So what I want you to tune into is what does she need in this moment? And what do you need as a parent to be able to show up and allow her to have what she needs? So if that's you both taking space, because maybe you get triggered in that moment when she's angry, you get to go soothe your trigger and give her space to get what she needs. So you can come together from a much calmer, more connected space Mm. to be able to talk about what she actually needs or actually feels. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah and what yeah. were you going to say? Because I want to hear what you were going to share. Oh, yes. So, yeah. it, so to contrast, she's actually a very thoughtful, kind yeah. individual, 
95% of the time. <laughs> I mean, um, Vic, like how she, just how often would you say she has these episodes? Um, not very regularly at all. She's She's very confident in so many ways, but when she has these moments, she goes through phases of saying, I don't deserve to be your daughter. I yeah. don't belong in this family. Yeah. You, you know, I can't love you how I should be loved or you don't love me. Like, because she gets really, I don't, I don't really know where it comes yeah. from because we are a very loving family. So we, and we don't argue very much at all. Mm-hmm. Like we have the odd bicker, like everybody does. So I don't really understand why she yeah. thinks that because she's expressing her emotions in this way, we would be like, oh, right. I mean, a couple of times, I mean, she's seven. She just turned eight. She's come downstairs with a packed bag telling us that she's leaving. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's heartbreaking, really, that she's having yeah. to actually, that's what she thinks, like mm-hmm. that we don't want her anymore. And I don't really know how to, because mm. I, I couldn't love her anymore. Like, <laughs> I literally couldn't. She's just so lovely she's so loving and caring and thoughtful and then she has these moments where she just goes a bit savage and then yeah but it's really not that often it's not even once yeah. a month I wouldn't say it's not they, frequent. they have lessened yeah. they have lessened a little bit and she's very she's also very um you can't reason with her oh god no you she's can. wise and smart isn't she yeah I mean she <laughs> if she doesn't want to do something no yeah bribe or like mm-hmm. um money or the incentive will persuade her other time which actually i think will potentially hold her in good stead for the future yeah. but um right now to parent it's very challenging yes. sometimes but yes. um, yeah no, she's a real individual like she mm-hmm. like my other daughter she's a bit of a sheep she wants everybody to like her she's not mm-hmm. secure at all whereas kitty is a real individual she's like she will wear what she wants to wear and she doesn't care but Yes, yeah, she's just got this side of her where she she just loses it and then feels mm. like she's somebody who can't really be loved and it's heartbreaking. Mm. I just want to say thank you for sharing all of this. Um, and I see your hearts and I also see hers. And <laughs> and there's 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 something beautiful here because you started by saying 95% of the time she's da-da-da. I want you to see her as that 95%. Mm. Okay. Because if you can see her as who she really is and the moments where she's feeling extremely challenged or feeling hard on herself or hurt or sad, or it really sounds like the emotion of shame, then you're going to help her through those moments, knowing who she is. Well, knowing that it's also okay to just have emotions, that those are her emotions and experiences, but it's not who she is as a person. There's another layer to this, um, and this is my area of expertise and who I support, but it's also because I am that person and have been that person. So when you talk about your daughter, I'm like, oh yeah, I get what's going on for her. I know that experience. And immediately when you brought up your daughter, I was going to ask, is your daughter very sensitive and emotionally intelligent? I mean, I don't know if she's emotionally intelligent. How do you tell? But Um, she can can she sense what other people are thinking? Do you you feel like when people are feeling emotions, she's yes. So she's very intuitive. Yeah. Yeah, So she her best friend is a young boy who's disabled. um, He's in a wheelchair. So so she's very like there was an incident a, a while back where they were picking up 
teams in in um, PE yeah. at school, um, like sport at school, and nobody picked him because obviously mm-hmm. kids are yeah. pretty brutal. Um, yeah, but she was, she, but she was like, she sort of, I think she understood the situation enough mm-hmm. to be like, I his name's Nat, so she was like, okay. I'll go with you, Nat. I'll be on your team. Yeah. Um, she went to um, the Natural History Museum mm-hmm. recently in London on a school trip, and she carried his bag for him, and she hung around with him. So I think she is quite in tune with emotions and yes you know sometimes she'll just sort of sidle up a little cuddle because maybe she senses mm-hmm. you're not feeling well so i think for, for her age i think she has a reasonable level of emotional intelligence uh yeah so here's here's the piece that that i see coming together a like and what's what's your wife's name what's your name just so that i know paul so paul uh, what's Victoria. your Victoria. Okay. Just cause it says iPhone and I don't want to call you iPhone or not call you by your name. <laughs> so Victoria, you said something beautiful. Um, and I just like, this is the stuff that warms my heart. I love hearing parents talk about their children and you can sense in those moments. And it sounds like it's the emotion of shame that's coming up. And in the shame, she gets angry and almost like acts out of feeling like she's not allowed to be loved. And you were very aware and perceptive to that. She, she doesn't feel lovable in those moments. And she needs to know that even in that she's loved the rest of her life. She's loved when she makes mistakes, she's loved whatever is going on. She's loved. So the more you can actually just give her more love in those moments, the less she's actually going to feel like she needs to act out in those ways or feel like she needs to run or pack up a bag. And chances are it's about her level of empathy. That is why that's showing up. And sometimes it's just an overload of feeling people's emotions. And it's almost like children who are that aware, sometimes like they feel like they're not loved and there's shame there. And they feel like because they know what the right thing to do is, I'm wondering if she has a very strong moral code of like doing the right thing, that if she feels like she hasn't, she's not allowed to be loved. Or if she feels like someone's in a bad mood or angry or something's going on, she takes it personally. That was me as a kid. I was very hypersensitive and hypervigilant. So if my mom was in a bad mood, I suddenly made it mean that I'm not loved or that I don't know if like it's, that could be those moments when it's important as a parent to just know your child enough to be like, I'm feeling this right now. It's not about you. And I love you. What do you need right now? And I'm going to go get what I need. But I'm wondering if that awareness is just going to help the rest of the moment so that she starts to learn safety in her body and in relationship of I'm loved no matter what. And even if I'm angry or feeling shame or feeling sad, I'm still allowed to be loved. And my parents really see me and they really love me. And that's so healing to just her attachment and nervous system and relationships. And it also sounds like you're doing a really great job of knowing what she needs in certain moments, sometimes knowing what really didn't work, <laughs> but repairing <laughs> to then figure out what does. And I think that's beautiful. Hmm. I think so. Just something that you said really makes yeah. sense, actually, which was. I think you're right. She does feel this level of shame when she knows that she's done something wrong. Yeah. Just, I'm uh, just as you were speaking, that really sort of resonated with me, and I was like, yeah, like because she's like, I know I'm not good enough. It's you. that. I yeah. That I have been bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like yeah, that does make sense. Like she mm-hmm. obviously goes through this 
feeling yeah. of guilt or shame about yeah. being naughty um totally and then that obviously spirals into a bit like me where i was hurt mm-hmm. turns into anger the yeah. same for her this shame yeah. So you think that shame will then turn into the anger? Is that what I, I believe that that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that does make sense because of the things that she says and stuff. So, okay. And anger separates us. And it's almost like when we have that strong moral code, the second we think we've done something bad or wrong, we feel like we need to separate because we're not allowed to get people's love. So yeah. understanding that is that's the moment where her nervous system feels like she needs someone to like reject her or leave her. And that's actually when she needs to find safety that you're there and you're close and you're going to love her. But if she needs space before she gets to let the love in, that's also okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And I know that Lee wrote a bunch of things in the chat. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge that and read it first and then give you the turn because your hand is up. (laughs) If you're thinking that there's more to life than this, then good. You're waking up. Now, one of the most critical steps when choosing to up-level your life is to find a tribe who sees and hears you because feeling like you matter is so important. Strivers are a community of people united in the common goal of becoming people who don't drink alcohol and living a self-led life. So if you crave freedom, compassion and peace, Strive is for you. And you can join our amazing community for free. All you have to do is email method at gmail.com and we'll get you signed up. Oh, that was beautiful, right? That that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to share something, an observation, and um, Amanda is the expert, will tell me if I'm on the wrong track. Um, what I am hearing here is you have a uh, a daughter who is extremely wise. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't believe the wisdom comes with age, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not we have the environment and the container that enables us to access it, no matter what age you're at. And and it sounds like you have provided that container for her and and just honor yourselves for that. That is beautiful. And what is she is expressing to you is our superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really important as parents when she does express these superpowers that it's rebounded back to her that they are superpowers so she doesn't start to become ashamed of having being empathic, mm-hmm. uh, being having wisdom, being in tune, because she could shut herself down because yeah. the reflection back is, oh, I'm not, uh, this is not right for me to be this. And it luckily, it sounds like she's strong enough to be able to stand her ground long enough for you guys to come on here and and, and talk about it with a professional. And I, I just see nothing but great stuff uh, here um, for Kitty. And She's very much your teacher, guys. Like, I love it. Like, she's <laughs> your teacher. You know, I love it. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> I love I'm that sorry. And one, yeah. more, and one more thing. And this is what I wrote in the comments, because I had this conversation uh, the other day when uh, Zia had a meltdown on Sunday, for example, mm-hmm. was we, me and Lisa talked about this. My, my way of thinking around this is when um, a child or anybody it loses it and they're in meltdown. They've gone over the window of tolerance. The sympathetic yeah. nervous system is activated. And in that instance, they've lost access to their executive functions, right? Mm-hmm. So in that moment, if we turn around and say, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, I'll take out, this is going to be your consequence. We're setting them up for failure because they will never, ever be able to do what you want them to do because they're the incredible Hulk in that moment. Yeah. So for me, consequence it had we have to address consequence in a different way and i would love 
Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you what yeah. I was thinking about the other day, and, and I'll uh, hand it over to Amanda. Was for me, I'm I'm kind of thinking more now of natural consequences. So, and I'm and I don't know where I am with this. So, just let me know, Amanda. Mm-hmm. But uh, for example, if Zia has a meltdown and she's really expression emotion, and I'm letting her do it, but at the same mm-hmm. time, there are some boundaries being crossed. Uh, there's yeah. some disrespect. Um, and I'm being triggered, and all of a sudden, I find myself in in a sympathetic nervous system state, yes. and I'm annoyed and frustrated, and angry. And then she sorts of shit out, and she's like, "Right, let's play." Yeah. For me, there's a natural consequence there that I'm not in that frame of mind, and I'm mm. able to have a discussion mm-hmm. with her that the consequence of of and it's really balanced and nuanced because I also want her to know that she's okay to express her emotion. But but the times when it tips over a little bit, I don't know whether it's right. I'm saying I don't know whether it's right for me to say, hey, there's a natural consequence here right now that I just don't feel it. Like I, I this has happened and I don't feel it and I need some time. Daddy needs some time to sort his shit out. What do you think about that? And how how could you advise me to but consequences? Uh, you know, yeah. Online. So. I really just love the way you worded this and your curiosity here of like, do consequences come in here or how do we navigate it when you are realizing that suddenly you're in your sympathetic nervous system? And so is she. And and this is actually like the foundation of, I have digital coaching programs for parents, but my foundation is the stay in play module of how we actually move from fight or flight or freeze or people pleasing into your parasympathetic nervous system so that you're safe to be able to connect and share you and your child and repair when needed because we're not perfect and we're all going to make mistakes. And I think it's important for us to be able to have those conversations. And what I often tell parents is that the best thing you can do, but there's more than this. So I want to talk to the things you said. The best thing you can actually do is when you're triggered and in fight or flight, and your child is triggered and in fight or flight, which could be they're having a big outburst, meltdown, tantrum, all the things. A, that makes sense for you to be a little triggered and in your sympathetic nervous system sometimes because you're like, oh no, what do I do? And sometimes it can be triggering your own wounds as a parent. So the best thing you can do is A, you want them to feel safe, but you need to feel safe in order to hold a safe space for your child to express And sometimes to even be able to hold a boundary, it can be really hard to hold a boundary when you're not feeling safe. So the best thing you can do is find safety. And I often tell parents to play, to play, be like your, you know how, Hey, I don't know. I don't know about where you guys are in the world, but I remember being young and firefighters would come into kindergarten classrooms and do the whole stop, drop and roll of like, when there's a fire, you stop, drop and roll. And I talk about like you pause and you play, whether that's getting out a puzzle, whether that's starting to act something out with their like Barbies, or whether that's just putting on some music and saying, I need some space for a minute, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this but it's filling up your cup or like your love bucket to be able to then be there for them. And I also know that sometimes the moments are so supercharged with emotion, but it's really hard to do that. And I'm going to give an example because what you're saying, Lee, is great, is you want her to healthily express the emotion. You want her to be able to get it out. And she also needs to do that safely so it's not hurting you. And it sounds like, is that the boundary that you feel is being crossed? Or what's the boundary that's being crossed for you? Because that's I, what I'm I, curious about. I think I think there's two things going on. So yeah. the first thing is I, I recognize when you said 
<laughs> when I'm saying the consequences, I'm not going to play with you. And you're saying, actually, yeah. what you should do. I'm saying with. the thing she needs most is <laughs> yeah, for you to yeah, play with her. Play. Yeah. What what comes up for me there is my the part of me who was not allowed to behave like that when I was younger yeah. is is coming up and saying, no, 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 no. She is not going to be played with right now because yeah. she is out of control. So mm-hmm. I before I play with her, I need to think of a way of shifting i need to i need to think of a way of recognizing and loving and seeing and hearing that part and to reassure it that it's okay to play with her and i'll, and I'll have a think about yeah. that so so there's can there's we do something cool. right here actually lee i'm wondering if you're, you're ready for an experience you're gonna get thing. me crying again uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I tend to have that superpower but we don't need to if it's not needed only whatever you need yeah, so here's what i'm wondering we know really hard to give something we didn't get. And I hear a lot of parents saying almost like they feel or their inner child feels resentful when they're giving something to their child that they never got, which I think parents can feel shame about that. But also like, let's just out the fact that sometimes that emotion can come up of like, in that moment, how does my child get to be played with when I was punished or when this happened to me? Like I didn't get that thing because this happened. Your brain's like, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Do I play with them? Do I give them that? Am I teaching them something that's not okay? And also there's a hurt in there because your inner child didn't get that same love and connection. And I want to like help you rewire that attachment so that it doesn't need to come up. And I'm curious if you're open to closing your eyes and trying a visualization with me. Okay. So I want you to go back. We're going to do the thing. I know you already know this because you're trained in this. So <laughs> we're going to imagine that there is like a movie screen, almost like you're watching those old VHSs. And it's it's where your third eye is. You're seeing it in front as if you're looking at this movie screen. And when you're looking at the movie screen, you're you today. I want you to imagine that we're rewinding and we're rewinding and we're rewinding until you're at an age where something happened, you were aggressive or angry, and you felt like you got a consequence and something was taken away from you or you were punished and you felt bad or wrong, most likely. Now, I want you to imagine someone you really love coming in and giving you what you needed. Maybe they sat down with you and said, do you want to play this video game or do you want to read a book or do you want to do that thing that you really love? Because I want to know what's going on in your heart. I want to know what emotions you're feeling and how I can help you. I want you to imagine that, but to feel what that would feel like in your nervous system to receive that. And if it feels hard, I just want you to breathe into it more because there could be parts of you that feel resistant to that. And that's okay. But you just breathe a little bit more. And if you need to imagine even just like present you giving that younger you a big hug, you can give yourself that hug. And you can bring that to the moments that you need to parent little you so that you can be there and play with your daughter when she needs it. And you take as much time as you need, but when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So I went back to a moment where um, I'm picking wood chip, wood, I had wood chip wallpaper in my bedroom and I'm picking the wood out. And my dad comes in and says, um, if you keep doing that, I'll send you to a home. Mm. And this is short. This is just after I understand he's not my real dad mm, so, so I, there's hurt going on yeah well, I, re- well, I really believe he's going to send me to all like i because I, <laughs> yeah. I found i found adoption papers mm-hmm. that said he adopted me and i'm like six or seven so i think he adopted me so he, he's going to send me back like mm-hmm. i don't quite understand it all and then 
Liza came into the room and gave me a hug and asked me what I needed. And I said, would you play with me? And I said in exactly the same voice as Zia, all Zia wants to do is play with me all the time. Yeah. And I very rarely meet that request with love. I always meet, I would say the most of the time, I meet it with annoyance, frustration, anger, irritance, and then I go do the thing. Can I I also say something, Lee? I know you. You're a little hard on yourself when it comes to Zia. And do you remember? I'm gonna I need to bring this back for you. Do you remember how your goal in your project for Elementum was playing with Zia? It was, yeah. And you did it and you showed up. How did I forget and- that? <laughs> Yeah, Because our brains have a really fun negativity bias that likes to forget all of the awesome things we do and the moments we are showing up the way we want to. (laughs) I wanted to bring that back because I know that sometimes personally, depending on where we're at, we need to remind ourselves of where we're doing a great job and on what our wins are Mm. more than we're focusing on the things we think we need to be doing better. And that's a benefit to your child and your family. and. I also want to hear what you had to say, but I felt that you needed that loving reminder. I'm glad you gave me that loving reminder because <laughs> it, it just, just shook me up a little bit. And it just, yeah. it, it reminds me that if I, if I, if I said to Zia, mom or dad, she go, mom. If I said, mm-hmm. who do you want to take you to bed? Mom or dad, mom, cuddles, mom, who do you want to play with you? Mom or dad, dad, every time. Right. <laughs> so, so, so here's a, here's a kid who's like, if I want to play, I want to play with my dad. Mm-hmm. And as you quite rightly remember, reminded me, my project was all about spending more time with her. And we carved out a beautiful routine before bedtime where we played with her doll's house. And and that has expanded into like incredible spurts of creativity. She she writes stories, she creates stories, she like and, and we intertwine and we and we we combat that. So yeah, the fact that I've had a hard day at work and then she wants to play and I I'm a little bit in pattern. I'm not going to take that as who I am. I I am trying really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we're going to come back to this because I want to bring it back to what I said originally to Polly. If there are things you need to do to fill up your cup before you play with her, that's also okay. Mm -hmm. And also we're human. We might not feel like a 10 out of 10. I'm so into this play moment all the time. Even like I have a dog. Um, right over there. And I, his love language is play. And I feel like he matches me in that way, but I'm not always, let's do this. And same thing with children. There might be moments that I need to talk myself into feeling that level of joy first Mm -hmm. or get myself to that level of joy before I go into connection. And the same goes in every, every relationship of your life. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay because you're human but honor what your emotion is first. Say, is there any, my favorite question is how can I make this more fun? And if you can a tend to whatever you actually feel, because that's real, be real with what you're feeling. And then ask yourself the question, how can I make this more fun? And then go play. You're going to have a lot more fun and stop feeling bad about the times where you weren't a 10 out of 10 because you don't need to be a 10 out of 10 all the time. This this play and this fun as well with our children is so it's there's there's a there's a there's a meta payoff here for me. And I don't know yeah. if this is a I don't know if anybody else can land with this, but I was uh, I was talking to my coach this morning and I was saying to her 
how I'm going through another one of those stages in my life where I I'm feeling strong enough to to come out more. Okay. So like I'm I'm still not sure who I am. And I'm still so because of that, I'm still I'm still aware that I'm wearing certain masks when I'm around people, especially people mm-hmm. I love. And in the last couple of days, I realized that I'm a little bit more confident to be a little bit more vulnerable of expressing who I really am to the people who matter to me. And I'm not, I'm not scared as much. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happened with all this conversation, obviously we did a lot of inner child work was this realization that I don't play enough. Right. Like the, the coach said to me, what do you, what do you do when you play? And I outside of Zia and Jude, and I'm like, I don't play. And she said, what did you like to play? Well, I like to play video games. When was the last time you played video games? 12 years ago. And and so actually learning to to be able to show up for your child. And I think there's a difference between mindful, above the line, self-led play and below the line, unconscious, going through the motion play. And I think if mm-hmm. I think if I can get above the line more into that and start enjoying it more and asking how can this be more fun it's going to have an impact not just on my relationship with her and on her but it's going to have an impact on me and my own healing and Mm. I think I think I imagine I'm not the only parent who would miss this golden opportunity of healing or growth or evolution that's happening with myself through this child because we we are raised in this status hierarchy of um they're down here somewhere and I'm up here, but no, they they very much can be our teachers, right? If we're if yeah. we're more ground, grounded and present and open and aware. I love that. I always love hearing your reflections, Lee. And I want to say one thing. I want you to give yourself more credit all the time. So even in that statement of like, how could I play more or I'm not playing enough? I want you to just honor that whatever you're doing is enough there, that you are already engaging in this play and you're already making it a priority and you're wanting to engage in it more. And that's great where it is. Another thing I define play. um, And I feel like helping people play more is a big part of my mission. (laughs) It's what helped me. And it's what continues to bring me back home to myself when I'm feeling a little off course. And The thing is, is I define play as that thing that when you're doing it, it's as if all time goes away. Mm. And the reason I say it that way is when people hear the word play, sometimes we think of, okay, so I need to play like I did when I was a child, or I need to play like the way my child does. I don't agree with that. I think play is whatever brings you happiness and joy and whatever lightens your life. And that could be being on a coaching call. That could be reading a book you love. That could be going for a walk. Mm. That could be doing absolutely nothing. One of my favorite things to do is nothing with music on. (laughs) It's not meditation. It's not something to achieve more enlightenment or consciousness. It's I literally just put a playlist on and I have nothing that needs to get done. And it is delightful. And what I want to invite you all to do is to A, ask that question, how can I make this more fun whenever you need it? Because fun is going to actually allow you to feel more energy in your body. So bringing back to Polly's initial question, the more you can have fun, the more you're going to feel alive and energized, which is going to help you through your day-to-day parenting moments. But how can, yeah, how can you just have more fun in your day? And how can you let 
yourself play in whatever way that is that mm. speaks to your heart. Do you know what what uh, what uh, come up for me then? There's um, there's a great book which part of the Strive method is based on called Reality is Broken by Jay McGonigal. Mm. She's a futurist now, but she used to be a games expert. She has a wonderful TED talk about how gaming can change the world. And she breaks down a game into different components that have what uh, she calls Fiero, F-I-E-R-O. And Fiero is almost like that thing, that high that that a game gives you, right? Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting part of Fiero she calls busy work, right? Okay. So she's basically saying you can do the ironing, you can fold. Like I just went to the laundry and did the the tumble dry the laundry and then I folded Mm -hmm. the clothes. That's a, that's a big thing, by the way. We all need to celebrate how great it is every load of laundry we do in yes. life. <laughs> well, for me, just being on my computer doing busy work, as I call it, like work that's not, it's not like mind bending. It like doesn't mm-hmm. need like creative thought, but I, I'm enjoying, I'm listening to music as I'm doing it, but I'm enjoying it, right? So yeah. I like it that you just, again, made me realize that, again, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit being narrow focused here on yeah. what play is. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. play video games, or but yeah. actually I am enjoying myself when I'm doing busy work. You're finding play in the everyday moments, yeah. which I think is the greatest thing we can do. I'm feeling, yeah. I don't define it as play, but the feeling mm-hmm. that I get uh, um, that, 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 is, that play activates, I'm getting through busy work, yeah. Okay. Right. We're coming up to time. Can I, I, I just, I'm, we're going to have to do a part two, three, four, five, six guys. Um, <laughs> let me like, this will be quick of you uh, because obviously you can't ask questions because she's not here, but uh, <laughs> Susie gave me a couple of questions. Susie's daughter. Um, I just forgot a name for a minute then. Lorna. She's, uh, she, she's, she's a little bit of a worrier. So okay. she has a dog. Yeah. She has a dog. Um, and she worries about her dog all the time, like mm-hmm. that something's going to go wrong with her and all this. And so she 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 gets anxious and she worries. Uh, what could be uh, some words of wisdom oh. for Susie in dealing with that? Because obviously Susie is is uh, you know feeling whatever feelings she is as a result of watching that in play. Yeah. So I'm sensing her daughter. There's a lot of fear in her nervous system. Um, so soothing herself is going to be the best thing to do of just doing more things in her day where she can feel soothed. And the best way to support your child with worrying is to get real. Do you worry yourself as a parent? That's really interesting because that links into her other question, which is um, my question around children would be how to deal with fear over arguments and reactions. Obviously the answer is to improve our relationships. Horrid arguments don't happen, but the scars are there now. And often her reaction is over the top when she hears me and my husband just debating, says the same thing, right? It's like, yeah, I'm going to bring this back to Paul and Victoria because it sounds similar to the way their child experiences relationships in life is that same sensitive, empathic, like if they're feeling this, then I'm this and I'm going to worry about it. It's a different experience, but it's similar to... I'm sensing about the child. She's just, she cares a lot. And sometimes I like the reframe of worry or fear to you really care about that. Mm. I think something about that 
even just calms the nervous system and allows us to feel seen for what's really going on of you're worried about that dog because you love that dog and you care deeply for that dog and you don't want anything to happen for that dog. I came from a home where I was deeply worried about. And you know why I was worried about? Because I was empathic, because I knew what people were feeling, because I was sensitive. And I'm going to loop back to what Lee was saying earlier about the superpowers and kind of bringing it back to what I was saying with Victoria about how they were talking about Victoria and Paul said their daughter is this 95% of the time. And the other 5% is this. The worrying habit, check in. What percentage of that is it? And what is she the other larger percentage? Because the more we look at who our children are and celebrate them and their wins and their strengths, the more we see them as that, the more they be more of that. Because something, I have not fully cracked the code of this yet, but I know it's still true in my life and some relationships sometimes. When you have a really energetically sensitive or wise, emotionally, they pick up on things, child, sometimes your worries and how you think, sometimes they play it out in their behavior. There's something energetically going on there. But the more as a parent, you can focus on who they really are and their strengths, the more they're going to show up in their strengths, the safer they are with you in your connection to talk about their areas of challenge and growth, the things they have a difficulty with, which could be the worrying and the fear, the more you can help them with it. But there's something really beautiful. And this is what I do a lot in my work is bridging that gap between the areas of strength and the areas of growth and challenge so that that strength becomes bigger while loving and supporting them in the things that they find hard. It uh, it sounds like inherent in all of these questions is the potential for all of us parents and including Susie and Stu are not here, for the behaviors of the children to trigger shame within ourselves yeah. as parents. And worry too, right? Because as yeah. parents, you, you just worry about, is my child yeah. getting what they need? Am I supporting them in the way that they need? So <laughs> yeah. the more you can see, okay, my child's worrying. How about I not worry about that, but I just find out how to support them in that then you've already reduced a certain amount of family worry to only be able to focus on supporting one piece of the worry. Especially if you're dealing with highly sensitive, highly intelligent yes. children. Yeah. If we are not working on our own shit, mm-hmm. our, we could be creating this very signals that it's like a um, it's like a cycle right like we could be creating the very signals that they're responding to you know like it's boom 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 because the yeah like yeah. zia zia could be feeling really anxious because she's picking up on my shame and my shame is coming up because i'm worried that she's picking up on these things it's, it's, it's like, totally it there's there's that like ripple effect and it's becoming mm-hmm. aware of it and not making it worse because you're like oh no i'm creating that it's like yes okay i can see that i can even like sometimes laugh at it of how that is sometimes it's like dominoes once it's like boom yes. boom 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 but also be like okay so how can we shift this and how can I show up differently or new so that we create a more positive domino ripple effect that comes from just compassion and safety and loving mm. on self to be able to give it to them. 
I love that. I love the laughter bit there. Like I, I that's the, that's the new thing for me. How can I, how can I stop taking fights with my wife, for example, or my children too seriously? How can I look at the fight and absolutely and, and ridicule it? Like, how can I laugh at it? How can I have a squeaky voice and talk about like, how can I just make it not as big as it has to be? Right. Like, yeah. I, I and there's, really there's something about not taking it as seriously and also knowing that, cause there's, there's another piece. Sometimes when we laugh at something, it's actually where we need to soften and feel whatever we're really feeling about it because mm. sometimes laughter can be a coping mechanism. So I wanted to say that of just mm. know yourself and your tendencies. If you need to not take it so seriously, but also receive love and care in the thing that's difficult and hard, let yourself have that too. Awesome. So Amanda, tell Paul, Victoria and Polly and everybody else listening, if they wanted to work with you, coaching, courses, yeah. whatever, what, what have you got available for these lovely people? Well, I'm going to just share a link first, um, but then I'd love it. Can I share my screen on here? Do I have access? I think I do. So here's a link that if something we talked about, or if you're realizing you're wanting more support for you yourself as a parent or for your child, you can book a connection call. That's just 30 minutes for me to get to know you better, hear more about your family. And then if there is a service of mine that feels supportive, I'll tell you more about it. I do. I love supporting children in my play-based healing program, which really is a lot of sensitive and intuitive children who get that safe space to really let that area of their superpowers and their strengths grow while having somebody else who's not mom or dad help them in the challenges and the emotions and understanding where they don't feel safe so they can feel safe in more situations and feel more confident in themselves. Something else that I did want to share with this group is I'm very excited because I have a digital program that's about to open. And it's funny because it's just so many of the conversations we had today are like, yes, this is why this program is coming out because this really is what it's for. It's called the Supporting Your Sensitive Child Bundle. And it's a mini three-week program that really is... And I say sensitive, it can mean many things. I don't like labels because I don't want to put anyone in a box because like I talked about, we all have different areas of strengths and areas of challenge. And sometimes our superpowers of empathy and feelings and awareness can be seen as a negative or as a label. But in this program, I'm really just giving parents tools and language and understanding of how to A, better show up for themselves in communication and asking for your needs to be met, teaching that to your child, and also supporting the nervous system through play. And then there's a really beautiful module that's all tools to support sensitive children. So I want to show you that. Um, but if you're wanting to learn more about that, you can join the wait list so that when the program comes out, you can be on that list to find out more. Um, but I'm happy just to show you a little bit more about it. And if anyone has any questions, I'm here and I would love to answer them. But I just loved every moment of being here with you all. So I just want to say thank you for having me. And I'm just going to show you right here. This is the wait list. This is this beautiful program that is my three-week program. And it really is for what we were talking about. If you have a child who's highly sensitive or easily picks up on others' emotions, is a big feeler, and needs support to just feel their best in their body and in their relationships, or if you're feeling triggered by your child in those moments, it's all those good things. But it is, it's $222 Canadian. 
And it's three modules. So it's play in the nervous system, like we talked about, family communication basics. And week three is supporting your sensitive child. And it's all the things that I pretty much use in my play-based practice with children, but in a way that I'm teaching it to parents so that in those moments, you have more tools of how to move through the difficult emotions and challenging tantrums and behaviors so that you can support your child to feel safer to communicate. And the beautiful thing is it also includes a Slack group so that parents can be supported in their questions and to celebrate and share the wins. So that's a little bit about the program. And I also just want to say thank you because it was such a gift to be here with you all. And I love, I love the awareness that you all have as parents, the way you're talking about your children and also your commitment to show up for them the way you do. It's, it's a true honor to get to meet with groups like you and to get to hear your really beautiful questions and shares. So thank you for having me. Thank I you just want to say, yeah. I just want to say uh, me and Liza will definitely be getting that program. A couple of things, guys. I've never seen that before. About 222 Canadian is an absolute fucking steal, right? I'm just saying We really just wanted to create something right now that more <laughs> people can have access to because there is a need. I was expecting to, to see 2222. Two, two, two. Um, no, not for this one. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, like, trust me on this. I wouldn't have brought Amanda on here. If I didn't think she was the nuts, and I'm, and I have personally worked with her, um, and she's done inner child work with me as a coach, and uh, she's amazing. She's just, just so beautiful, so powerful. You feel so held. Um, and this kind of work, you know, like um, speaking to you, Paul and Vic, you know, like this kind of work really brings couples together. It really brings couples together, which is why me and Lisa are going to do this, right? There's nothing more sexy. There's nothing more like intimate and connected <laughs> and 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 loving than than seeing that you're on the same team raising your kids, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. amazing, Amanda. Yeah. Thank you. I've just got one quick question. Yeah. Um, so I, oh Victoria and I were just. I was thinking as we were on, I um, have some friends that um just have some issues with their eight year old, mm-hmm. in as much as she sleeps in their bed every night, yeah. uh, which is obviously causing them some issues as individuals and couples. Um, is that like, I don't know, is that a sleep related thing? Is that something I was thinking that we could potentially recommend them to you? Is that something you could you- totally recommend them to me? What I would say is give them the link that I put in here to book a connection call with me. So that way yeah. I, if they're ready for that support, they can just share what's going on for them and hear yeah. more about the work I do. And if it's a fit for them, but Sleep is also something that it's nervous system related sometimes or that connection related. So definitely something that I've supported a lot of parents in. I've heard that a lot, um, but it's, it's a bigger picture of why is your child not wanting to sleep on their own and how can we support them with that transition? And so everyone's yeah. getting what they need. Yeah, because I know they were talking about recently seeking some professional advice because yeah. I think it just got to the point where they're like okay enough's enough and it, it was yeah. affecting them as a couple so um and then obviously coincidentally Lee set this call up so I just thought you know I think <laughs> you've been great the advice you've given us is really good I love um, that. so yeah so I just thought I would mention you to them and maybe if they were interested in following up they could do but I just wanted to check if because I think like you say it's not necessarily a sleep it's never a sleep problem is it it's yeah. a i don't know a 
detachment attachment it's a safety thing she doesn't feel safe on her own yeah there's some some reason around safety normally Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah so i mean okay fine so i can i'll um pass on your details and maybe if they feel they want to set up a call then yeah i'll certainly recommend them i'll put i'll put the links in the discord group paul okay perfect thank you very much all right amanda thank you for your time paul my pleasure thank you for turning up i know polly's gone um thank you very much yeah. Um, Amanda, just stay on a second after Paul yeah. and Vic's on, if that's okay. 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 All right. Bye. Thank Thanks, you. Lovely to meet you. Thanks, you. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a few thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, you guys and girls for listening to this podcast and being supporters of it. Many people stop drinking alcohol just by listening to this podcast. I got a lot of people reaching out to me, thanking me for that, right? So give this to somebody as a gift today or rate and review podcast if you can rate and review the podcast on your local podcast player and tell somebody about it you could change somebody's life today okay so thank you for listening and thank you in advice in advance for that piece of service also want to thank our producer stan stan is still currently in the ukraine fighting the war and producing our podcast while his family is somewhere else in the world right now okay apart from him so everybody send out your prayers and your love Stan, we love you. Thank you very much for everything you do here. For you out there, if you are starting to think about, contemplate, uh, reflect on your relationship with alcohol, you do not have to do this alone. Yes, you drink alone, but you don't have to stop alone, okay? And if alcohol is not your thing, but you are starting to feel that you actually are living a parts-led life, the ego is getting in the way too much, so you're not happy with the way life is going, then reach out to us at thestrivemethod at gmail.com. Just say, Lee. And just tell me what is on your mind and we'll start to have that conversation. Strive community is a beautiful place where you can start to feel seen, heard, and matter. It's where you can get community and it's where you can start practicing what we call the eight C's of self, our core values, right? Or creativity, curiosity, uh, connection, compassion, courage. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them, but there's eight of them, right? And we have our quest structure. So we have assignments and they're really interesting, exciting. At the end of them, we say to you, come on, do this quest, right? Get involved in this challenge. And strivers are really finding it exciting. And they're working their challenges in these areas that are going to increase the amount of time they spend in self-energy in a state of flow. And that is has amazing repercussions for the relationship you grow with yourself and for how you how you reach out to others in their life, like how you parent, how you um, are as a child to your, not child, but a son or a daughter, how you are in your relationship with the person you share your bed with and how you behave with your employees, right? So reach out to me at strivemethod at gmail.com if you want to learn more. Okay, much love, everybody.